Hi friends, welcome back to the Bible Project Daily Podcast. The project is to work through the whole Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. And here we are in season two, and we're well through the book of Genesis, and we're in the second part of our second day of the three days that we're going to spend in Genesis chapter 37, looking at this scenario where Jacob, where sorry, Joseph has to deal with the hostility, well, even the hatred of his brothers, and we shall see here that they will actually, well, they're going to sell him into slavery. So. You may have just arrived here for the first time. Well, if that's the case, I'd like you to know that there's always a transcript of what I've said available in the uh, in the episode notes of any audio version of this podcast. You'll also find links to all the different ways you can connect with me and my ministry uh, within those episode notes there. So I recommend that you, you do that. Uh, but that's it by way of introduction so let's just uh, thanks again for joining me and let's drop in and pick up the text and the narrative from where we left off yesterday I'll pop back at the end and give you some extra extra information but uh, that's it bye for now okay hi folks we're back again and let's pick up immediately where we left off last time Now, you may remember yesterday, at the beginning of our time together, looking at and studying this chapter 37, I asked if we had ever felt that we were the object of jealousy. Now, I suppose we all go through that to some degree. Sometimes we have to go through periods of animosity towards us by other people at work or in social situations that we face. And it's usually fueled by jealousy and envy. Now, maybe we should be surprised if this happens because the additional dynamic for us as Christians is is they are against, they are hostile openly towards us just because we are Christians. And we shouldn't be surprised at that because Jesus actually himself said, well, they hated him, so it's likely they would hate us also. But still, the consequences of having to face such hostility can be really hard. It can be devastating, in fact. But it is a scenario that is present in the Bible, right here in the earliest stories. Uh, So I think there's much we can believe, much uh, comfort we can receive, and much advice we can receive by reading them. It's here in one of the very earliest narrative stories in the Bible, the story of Joseph here in Genesis chapter 7. So as we've gone through this story of Joseph so far, as recorded in this chapter, let's just remind ourselves of what we need to know so far. The first 11 verses that we've looked at have told us that Joseph was indeed hated. Now, that's the hated by his brothers because of envy and jealousy. And that's the point of the introductory passage, to introduce that scenario, that theme, that idea, which is now going to be played out. So let's see, progress further into narrative, and we shall sadly see that it is only going to go downhill from there. So we're picking up the text in verse 12, where it says, Now his brothers had gone to graze their father's flocks near Shechem. And Israel said to Joseph, As you know, your brothers are grazing their flocks near Shechem. 
Come, I am going to send you to them. Very well, he replied. So he said to them, so he said to him, sorry, go and see if all is well with your brothers and with the flocks and bring word back to me. Then he sent him off from the valley of Hebron. Now Shechem is a little town in the north of Israel. So the region they're in is generally in the north. And in this case, it seems his sons have taken the flock and they go wandering away from there to find good pasture and their general direction is towards the southern part of Israel. Now the far south of Israel, the far south is generally more barren than the north. So experts say that they're moving towards the more central part which is hopefully where they'll find fertile fields for the sheep and goats to graze. So the father simply says they're out there somewhere, somewhere, your brothers, somewhere in the general direction of Shechem, you know, probably 50, 60 miles down the road. Go and see what's happening. Go and see how your brothers are doing. Go and see how the flocks and herds are doing and then bring back a report to me. So that's the commission that Israel gives Joseph and he dutifully takes off in that direction. The text then tells us, a man found him wandering around in the field and asked him, what are you looking for? He replied, that's Joseph replied, I'm looking for my brothers. Can you tell me where they are grazing their flocks? They have moved on from here, the man answered. I heard them say, let's go to Dothan. So Joseph went after his brothers and he found them near Dothan. So he heads out again and he finds a man who says that they've already moved on again from where his father thought they might be. Now, this is part of the story that we shouldn't see this as unusual because when you were grazing with sheep, when the sheep ate all the grass of an area, it would no longer be fruitful, of course. So the whole point of grazing flocks and herds is that you would continually move on. So they've moved on from there, where they had believed they were, and they'd moved further on towards Dothan. I wonder how far that is. Well, I decided just to check that, and I read a selection of different commentaries, and the thing was, they all came up with a different answer. But what I can definitely glean from gathering all that information is that they had moved on somewhere between 12 and 24 miles further down the road. So now it seems they've travelled a total of somewhere between, say, roughly 70 to 80 miles away from the original home where Israel is based. And the text tells us that he, Joseph, eventually arrives at Dothan and that's where he finds them. So we'll pick up the story in verse 18. But they saw him, the brothers that is, they saw him in the distance and before he reached them they plotted to kill him. Here comes that dreamer, they said to each other. Come now, let's kill him and throw him to one, into one of these cisterns and say that a ferocious animal devoured him. Then we will see what becomes of his dreams. Now you know what they're thinking. We've got him now. He's 70, 80 miles away from home. And the brothers are thinking, now's our chance. We hate this guy and we can eliminate him now once and for all. Let's kill him. Let's kill him and throw him into a pit and just say some wild animals killed and ate him. Now, the text then tells us, this is where Reuben steps in, when Reuben heard this, he tried to rescue him from their hands, 
Let's not take his life, he said. Don't shed any blood. Throw him into a cistern here in the wilderness, but don't lay a hand on him. Reuben said this to with his plan was to rescue him and take him back to his father. So Reuben heard what the plot is and says, Wait a minute, guys. Don't kill him. You'll have blood on your hands. Just throw him into a pit and leave him there. So Reuben is trying to save his brothers. And the text confirms this when it tells us in verse 22 that he had planned to return later and rescue him and in some way bring him back to his father. So Reuben, it would seem, had every intention of going back and rescuing him and taking him back to his father. So all the brothers are involved in this. The plan has has gone from actively killing Joseph by their own hands to doing it in a surreptitious way by leaving him to die in a cistern. It's a different way where they can claim in some way justified to themselves that they don't have his, his blood on his hands, but Joseph would have died anyway. But of course, Reuben, who's the youngest, has the plans to rescue him. Let's carry on with the story. So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the ornate robe he was wearing, and they took him and they threw him into the cistern. The cistern was empty and there was no water in it. As they sat down to eat their meal, they looked up and saw a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead. Their camels were loaded with spices, balm and myrrh, and they were on their way to take them down to Egypt. Judas said to his brothers, What will we gain if we kill our brother and cover up the blood? Come, let's sell him to the Ishmaelites and not lay our hands on him. After all, he is our, our brother, our own flesh and blood. And his brothers agree to that. So they've got an alternative plan now. Judah gets their attention and says, Wait a minute, we can make some money out of this. We can sell him and pocket the money. And they like that and they all agree to it. So it then says that when the Midianite merchants came by, his brothers pulled Joseph up out of the cistern and sold him for 20 shekels of silver to the Ishmaelites who took him to Egypt. So they do indeed sell him to the Ishmaelites for 20 shekels of silver and it is they who then take Joseph and take him down to Egypt. So they don't kill him in the end, the brothers, but he now ends up a slave. I'd just like us to stop for a minute and put ourselves in Joseph's place for a minute. He is literally in the pit. What did he do? There's no indication that he in fact did anything wrong really. He is guilty of doing nothing more than just being a bit immature and perhaps rather annoying to his older brothers. But what younger brother isn't? And he's simply obeying his father. He set off to do what his father told him to do and to find the brothers. But because of their hatred towards him, when they see him coming, well initially they plan to kill him. But then they throw him into the pit and eventually he gets sold into slavery. They take advantage of a situation that occurs, that appears before them, an opportunity if they like, and they sell him into slavery. But that's only the beginning of his trouble. But right now, Joseph, poor Joseph, is in slavery. Let's see what happens next. When Reuben returned to the cistern, he saw that Joseph was not there. 
He tore his clothes and went back to his brothers and said, The boy isn't there. Where can I turn to now? Remember, Reuben was the one who persuaded them not to kill Joseph, and he had always intended to go back and rescue him. Do you remember that? So now he goes back and he's not there. And it tells us he tears his clothes. Now, if you're wondering what that means, in the ancient world, when you see that, and it appears and occurs in the Bible quite regularly, when you see that someone tears their clothes, this is seen as a sign of deep grief. He's grieving that his, the fact that his brother is missing, and he doesn't have a clue as to what happened to him at this point. So he goes to his brothers and says, what shall I do? He's gone. What are we going to do? So the brothers then, they get Joseph's robe. Well, I'll read the, the text. The, the brothers, they get Joseph's robes, slaughtered a goat and dipped the robe in blood. They took the ornate robe back to their father and said, we find this. Examine it to see whether it is your son's robe. So, what? let's see. Notice carefully what they, they say. They cover the, the robe in blood, but they take it to the father and they they ask the father if he knows whether it's the son's tunic or not. So they talk about being shrewd. Remember, the original idea was to kill him and say some wild beast ate him. And they don't overtly say Joseph got attacked by a wild beast. So they don't lie and say they witnessed this. They say they just say, well, we find this tunic. They've And they, they ask the question, and the question is, uh, do you recognize it, Israel? Well, of course he's going to recognize it. It was very distinctive, and he gave it to his son. But they don't go to him and say, oh, look, this is the tunic of our brother Joseph. They just ask him, is this the tunic of your son? And they don't even use the term brother as their brother. They describe him as his son. So everything they're saying and doing here is just an indication of, well, the shrewdness of their plotting and their manipulation of the situation and, of course, their intense dislike of Joseph. So, uh, of Jacob, sorry, and their intense dislike of Jacob. So he recognized it and he says, yes, it is my son's robe. Some ferocious animal has devoured him. Joseph has surely been torn to pieces. Then Jacob tore his clothes, put on sackcloth and mourned for his son many days. All his sons and daughters came to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. No, he said, I will continue to mourn until I have joined my son in the grave. So his father wept for him. So Jacob recognizes the coat and he jumps to the conclusion that Joseph has been killed by a wild animal. So Jacob, Israel, tears his clothes and puts on sackcloth and mourns, it says, for many days. Now, I'm sure you've heard of this phrase, weeping in sackcloth and ashes. What would happen there is, when we see that described, is it's talking about the mourners pouring ashes on their head and wearing sackcloth. Now, the sackcloth would be very rough and uncomfortable against the body, and that was seen as part of the biblical uh, grieving process, the thing that people went through in those times. And verse 35 says, All his sons and his daughters arose to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted, and he actually says, I'll go to the grave mourning my son. Then the story continues, uh, and it tells us, Meanwhile, the Midianites sold Joseph 
in Egypt to Potiphar, one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard. Now that's the last verse of this chapter and it's introducing us to what's going to happen to Joseph in the next chapter. But we'll get to that later on. But right now I want us just to pause and say what's going on in this chapter so far. The story itself is pretty straightforward and plain to see. It's basically because of their envy and hatred towards him. His brothers have plotted against him, uh, sold him into slavery, and at the same time deceiving their own father into believing that their brother, his son, was dead. That sort of sums up what's going on in this chapter. But I think we'll just take a break there and we'll return later and we'll think about what observations and what lessons we can draw from it and what lessons we can learn from it. But we'll do that together next time. Okay, folks, that's it for today. Uh, thank you for joining me. As I said at the beginning, there's an episode notes page uh, in which you'll find a transcript, but also within there you'll find all the links to the way you can connect to the ministry, not just the, the main podcast website where it's hosted on Buzzsprout, but also links to things like my YouTube, my uh, Facebook page, and even my Bandcamp and SoundCloud page where I do some uh, music and sound design work for this project and for other various projects that I'm involved in. So you can do find those links there, but there's also a link to my Patreon page where you can, if you wish, become a patron of this work. In other words, you can connect and agree to support it financially for a very, very small amount a month, a couple of dollars a month. That would be the best for me. In that place, uh, you'll not only be able to support the work, which will ensure that my main ministry, which is the Bible Project Daily Podcast, will continue to be free and remain free on the internet indefinitely, so that we can encourage people to make studying the Bible part of their daily life. I think that's the call I really believe God has given me to commit to, and that's what uh, the, my main ministry. But on there, I will also be put, putting some exclusive content only available to my patrons in the form of more sort of discipleship courses to help enable and equip you for acts of service in whatever gifting you might have. The first of those is going to be one about creating and planning expository preaching. But I also put on there some long-form teaching and uh, things like when I have when I speak at other churches, which I do regularly, or and if it's recorded, of course, or when I do my one-off talks to to secular mutual interest groups, places like art societies or or support groups, where I feel I can bring the gospel or the word of God into a situation and allow it intersect with people at their point of interest or belief. And those sorts of talks are only available on the Patreon website. The other thing I'd finally like to say is uh, if you're really, if you're benefiting and enjoying this in any way at all, then please consider reviewing or, uh, or liking or sharing it. I'm told that that's really what enables this material and which is of course the Word of God 
uh, I, we believe, I believe, to be seen by a lot more people out there. That's the way it works. And of course, consider, and of course, consider subscribing to it because that's the way you can ensure that you get it every day and you don't miss a single episode. But anyway, let me just finally close by saying thank you. Thank you so much for taking the time out to spend time together as we go on this amazing journey through the Bible together. I really appreciate that there are so many thousands of us committed now to doing this together. I'm thankful for the encouragement that that brings by just you choosing to sit down with me and listen to this and to do this together with me. And I'm particularly thankful for those of you who pray for me and this work. I covet your prayers. I ask you to prayerfully sort of support this in, uh, in that way because I pray that I might have both the uh, time, the emotional and the, the resources, if you like, physically and humanly to be able to maintain this uh, was quite a, a time-consuming project that you enabled me to have the time, the health, the family health to be enabled to keep doing this for as long as the Lord would wish it to happen. Anyway, thanks again. Thank you so much. Uh, it's great that you've joined me and I'll see you right back here again tomorrow. I hope, I trust, on the Bible Project Daily Podcast. Bye-bye for now.